IDC Radio. Yo, award season in April. When has this happened before? Yeah, that's kind of weird. Welcome back to Film Fanatics. I'm your host, Gal Balaban. And I'm your new co-host, Alan Azulay. That's right, and this is your home for the hottest movie topics of today. So basically what happened is I started this podcast and I was modeling it around a new guest every episode. And I was supposed to have other guests after Alan, and that ended up falling through a bit. And from there, everything actually just clicked together. And Alan and I decided that we had so much fun recording the pilot so we decided to instate him as the permanent co-host of Film Fanatics. Yeah, and I could not be happier about this. Like, I just love talking about movies anyway, and particularly with you. So, like, now we get to talk about it some more. We get to put our hobby to good use. Exactly. In this episode, we're going to be looking at what we can expect for the return of the movie theater going experience. We're going to revisit a movie series that we both grew up with and really love. We're also going to pitch in our predictions for this Sunday's Oscars and look at a new movie trailer that has us both pumped. Since we did our pilot, there's been a lot of progress with the vaccine. Around the world, a lot of theaters have been like reopening and reclosing. And for now, um, with the vaccine going around the world, it looks like they could be reopening for good. Uh, U.S. has had their theaters uh, open consistently since February at, uh, depending which city, 25 to 50% capacity. And many European countries, at least the ones without lockdowns, have had those open since. Yeah, yeah. Really puts into perspective uh, how right we were in our last episode to call Warner Brothers' uh, plan a little bit hasty. Because now every movie theater is going to be back in like a month or two, back in play, and all their movies are still going to HBO Max. So when we look at it, uh, Warner Brothers actually just released Godzilla vs. Kong at the end of March, which has actually done really well at the box office. Within less than two weeks worldwide, it already made $350 million, which is all of its budget back. Now it's made $390 million, which is more than the last Godzilla movie without any pandemic or HBO Max. So when we look at theaters right now, it's kind of a place of not everyone feels safe going to them yet, but there are a lot of people who are ready and miss it. So maybe right now at the place that we are, that HBO Max option for Godzilla vs. Kong was a little smart. It was, but I'm going to tell you something. They just released the numbers last night, uh, the new HBO Max numbers, and it's not looking good. It was a great marketing play, I guess, for them to release every movie day and date, but I don't think it worked out. They only added about 3 million subscribers, and uh, that's together with HBO in the whole world. They released, I think, five movies already, um, or like four plus the Snyder Cut. So, like, I don't think it worked out that way. <laughs> I don't think it worked out like they were, they were hoping. It would. Do you know if more people streamed Godzilla vs. Kong on HBO Max than Wonder Woman 1984? Probably not. I don't think anything has touched Wonder Woman 1984 Okay. Far. Because nobody went to the movies to see that. They just watch it on HBO Max. So when we zoom in a little bit on Israel, uh, it looks like some of the small, like the Cinematheque in Tel Aviv, um, according to online, is open and playing some indie movies, both 
classic films. I saw they were playing The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and also some more independent films, but it's not the kind of theater where you would find Godzilla versus Kong. The big theater chains are still in a place where they, they don't want to open, like you said. Yeah, it's very weird because they were allowed to open, I think, a, a couple of months back, or like a month back, but most of them are still closed because they Israel allowed them to open, but they can't have like uh, concession stands. And that's where, the t- that's where they make all their money, so none of them are opening. Well, let me pull up these stats here. So a study indicated that 73% of Israelis miss going to the cinema. 31% of people before 18 said they would, re- they would go more to the cinema now after the pandemic than they would have wanted to beforehand. And also 48% of people said they prefer to watch movies in theaters than home, while only 26% prefer to watch at home. These are some interesting numbers. I I can, I can definitely believe that seventy three percent of people want to get back in that room. Like, come on, it's been so long, and I know you feel this way too. So much. Like, I'm dying here. Like, I haven't gone to the movie theater in more than a year. This is like, I never thought I would go through something like this in my life. With like, like you said, it's kind of like our hobby, but it's kind of like more than that for us I, f- I feel like you understand what i mean like it's a way of life in a way <laughs> it's a way of life um uh, so, so for now even though theaters are opening it seems like other studios are getting more comfortable with like a hybrid release disney uh has said that they are doing a simultaneous theater and uh, disney plus for black widow and cruella which are coming out in may and july and they also did this for Raya and the Last Dragon, which I guess seemed to work well. I think that's the smart play right now because there's a lot of countries that don't have their vaccines right right now. Uh, a lot of people don't feel safe to go to the movies even though they want to. So that's the smartest play, I think, to give people the option. And Disney was a little bit smarter than Warner Brothers because you have to pay to watch it on Disney+, Plus, even if you pay the monthly fee which it's kind of sucky but like i guess economically it's 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 the it's the smarter play well for a while uh it seemed like they wanted to keep delaying black widow because they were committed to the the theaters aspect of it which means that eventually this is like an adjustment period and they do still want to have um exclusive theaters for sure for sure shang chi was uh just released a trailer and it's it seems like it's going straight to, to, to theaters. But you can't count on any movie dates right now. Everyone that's listening, don't trust anything. Nobody Mo- is safe. Nobody knows what the hell is happening still. Like, we've been going through this for a while, but... They're still shuffling stuff around. They're still seeing what works. Don't get comfy yet. We're still not out of, not out of the woods. So, bottom line is, nobody is safe, but... Israeli government, we're waiting on you. Israeli movie theaters, Cinema City, um, all the other ones, we want you back. Please, please, if you make me watch Black Widow on Disney+, Plus, I will die. We're begging you. So moving on to our next segment is a new thing that I'm hoping to keep around every episode. This segment is going to be called Total Recall. No, not the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Every time we're going to be talking about a movie that either we grew up with or saw a long time ago that we're going to be revisiting and seeing, does it hold up? 
And today we're going to be talking about not a movie, but a series that we both love, and that is the X-Men franchise. so happy about this segment like we're gonna have a lot of fun with this segment during the weeks and we st- we're, we're starting off well with the x-men all right so first let's talk about those first three the original trilogy is what they're called uh you said you did a marathon of x-men recently do those first three hold up they do they do i love those actually the third one is kind of icky but like i love <laughs> those the first two like the first one is a little bit weird to watch it right now. Uh, like after seeing like MCU and like DC movies, like and even the new X-Men movies, like it's kind of wonky, like VFX wise, the first one. But like the actors are great. They're still the best portrayals of like most of superheroes we've ever seen, like with Charles Xavier and Magneto, Wolverine. So... I, I love I love that trilogy, even though the like I said, the third one is a little bit wonky. I think those first two are pretty good. I don't think I have any plans to rewatch X Men: The Last Stand. I don't even know if I'd rewatch the first one anytime soon. Not that I don't like it, but I think the second one is uh, the only one that really stands out. In my memory is really great, especially when we have such a crowded superhero roster in the last couple years. But I do think X Two is like one that is still a really great movie, even if visually the cgi has really improved the technology and all x2 is amazing just the way it starts and vfx wise it's way superior than the first one just the way it starts in um uh in the white house that scene is insane like yeah nightcrawler and everything exactly it's so good so i want to talk about one that i've actually watched a couple of times and i have the blu-ray and that's x-men first class that's I, I love that movie. I love this movie. It's so much fun. It has a sense of like adventurousness to it. And when it's like an origin, obviously, for the X-Men, it just has such epic moments of setup and emotion. And uh, both James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender carry the movie so well. They do. They're brilliant in it. Like, brilliant. What did you think about like the setting? Because like it's very different than any superhero movie because it takes place like in the fifties or sixties. It's the Cuban Missile Crisis in the sixties. So in the sixties. So uh, what did you think about that? Because that looked completely different than any superhero movie. We have, we have I think it it's a pretty good looking movie, and the director Matthew Vaughn has also made Kick Ass and Kingsman, so he's no stranger to comic books, comic book movies, and. There's this one scene that I really remember in first class when Magneto, during the final battle, he's lifting up um, he's lifting up a submarine with his powers. And just to the music, you see like the propeller in slow motion. That's just like the part that stands out most in my head because it's such a cool part. It's so good. And when he turns all the missiles back in the humans as well, when they're oh, in the yeah, island, that's intense. it's insane. What about uh, Days of Future Past? I think it's the one I've watched the most amount of times. And... I definitely would love to rewatch it sometime soon because it might be, it's definitely my favorite of the main X-Men movies. Mine too, for sure. It's my favorite X-Men movie as well. You gotta love Hugh Jackman. You have both of the casts, so you love everyone because it's the best part of the original cast, the be- the best part of the younger cast. It's it's just, it's a great like time travel movie as well. So like, 
perfect. Every moment in that movie is so exciting and visually vibrant and energetic. And is one of the reasons I want to watch it again so many times. And I told you this earlier and you didn't know that there's actually an extended cut on the Blu-ray. I had no idea about this. You you blew my mind. When it you came said out that. like a couple months after the regular Blu-ray. I have the edition with the theatrical and the extended, which adds like 15 minutes of footage, including the character Rogue, who's in the original trilogy, but... Only in the cameo and the theatrical version of Days of Future Past. Yeah, I kind of hated her role in the original trilogy, <laughs> so I'm I'm kind of okay with that. But I'm I'm interested to see what was that. What what were those fifteen minutes about? It's like, an interesting cut, and there's also an additional scene with Beast and Mystique. I think it's good footage, but when it comes to which one would I watch again when revisiting this movie, I'd stick to the theatrical. Good to know. Good to know that I watched like the. As you said, the idea one, at least. And then there are two that people feel a bit more iffy about, which are X-Men Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix. What are your thoughts? Listen, in my marathon, I feel like I I appreciate it a little bit more, Apocalypse. Uh, it's still not a great movie, and I hated what they did to Apocalypse himself. His, his whole character was awful. It was terrible. It was just a gray mess. I've gone very back and forth about what I feel about Apocalypse. There are parts that I really like, the, like the Quicksilver scene. Oh, but that scene is I just think overall, especially the first half, is just really not that great. And Dark Phoenix, I don't hate as much as some people, but it's definitely, uh, definitely misses the mark than from what it could have been. It's just a meh movie. It's the definition <laughs> of a eh. I kind of watched that. That was a thing that I did. And it was so weird that they chose to give away... Do you remember how they gave away, like, the big death in the trailers? I remember that, and I was like, why would you do that? Like, and Marvel is so known stupid. for, like, secrecy and surprises, and they do that. Fox was a weird studio when it came to the <laughs> X-Men. Like, they made some really iffy choices, to say the least. You said you still haven't seen The New Mutants, right? I, I'm not gonna watch that. that. It's not worth it. I didn't like it. I saw it a couple months ago. Uh, I it came Dark out Phoenix during the once. pandemic. Yeah, I watched Dark Phoenix once. That's 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 all. I'm not watching yeah. New Mutants. I'm waiting now for Kevin Feige to do right by those characters. But before we move on, there's one that I think everyone can agree is amazing, and that's Logan. The best one. It's the best made film. Like, it's not my favorite. I love Days of Future Past, but Logan is the best made film. It's maybe, definitely the best written. Yeah, maybe even the best made superhero film of all time. It has like it diverges from a regular superhero fun tone and goes into dark, unpredictable western. Nobody is safe. Uh, anything could happen. There's blood. It's R-rated. There's cursing. I think it was such a great movie. I actually thought that um, Patrick Stewart deserved an an Oscar nom for that movie that year. I, I think it's behind that. That year, I was I was like complaining that he didn't. <laughs> I need to watch Logan again now. He's so good in it. Like, he's amazing in it. And seeing him say fuck that many times <laughs> is also pretty great. It was great talking about X-Men, but now we have to move on to something that's a little sooner than the next MCU X-Men movie, and that's the Oscars, which are this Sunday. And for this special edition of Can It Contend, which will probably be the last 
can it contend segment until next November, I thought we should just go ahead and instead of zooming in on one movie, we should just predict all the big categories because it's in two days from when we're recording this. I, I agree with you. I think we it would work out better if we just like go through the categories. We, we each predict the big categories who we think is going to win. So, yalla. So, best picture. The Academy Awards... Always very interesting. There's always one where people are predicting will win, and then there's a surprise at the end. Like, if you remember, there was the La La Land, and then Moonlight won, or um, everyone thought Roma would win, and then Green Book won. And so I feel like anything could happen with the biggest category, but right now it looks like uh, Nomadland is on a good course to win, because this won the Golden Globe, the Director's Guild, the Critics' Choice, all those awards that you've heard of, it won Best Movie at. Yeah, I agree with you. Nomadland is in a great spot right now. I'm going to list for you real quick the nominees for Best Picture right now. Mm-hmm. So we have Sound of Metal. We have Mank. We have Minari. Promising Young Woman. The Father. Judas and the Black Messiah. The Trial of the Chicago 7. And Nomadland. All of which I've seen, by the way. <laughs> I have not. That's on me. But um, I've seen a couple on this list. And based on what I know of the industry, I can get behind you 100% when you say Nomadland is winning. I can agree with you. It's got a lot of traction right now. Well, I think it's definitely true. And I would have I would have to say that when it comes to unpredictability, which could happen with this category, uh, people are saying that maybe the trial of the Chicago 7 will sneak up in this category, which could happen because the Academy loves political themes, you know, uh, Green Book and what else? The artist movies that connect Obviously to political, political things. Spotlight. Yeah, Trial of Chicago Seven is a movie that's very much about politics. I can agree with that. That could skin, could sneak up on there. Another one that I feel could sneak up on there because the Oscar loves like stories about movies is Mank. Mank after like after I saw it, like you guys remember last last episode, I was raving about it. I'm not sure if I still hold that high, hold it in that high of a regard, but I feel like it's it could sneak up here because Hollywood loves Hollywood. And again, they they love movies about movies. There's The Artist. There's Birdman, which is about movies and theater. Uh, last year, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood won a couple awards. Uh, I feel like Mank will not go home and empty-handed, even if it loses Best Picture. It won't. Uh, we're we're gonna get to it soon, but that there's one that I'm sure it's gonna win. So best director, I think uh, this way, even if Nomadland loses best picture, I think Chloe Zhao is going to win for directing Nomadland. I agree with you 100%. Uh, I used to, again, with the bank, I used to think that this would be David Fincher's year just because the Oscars tend to do it. They tend to reward people based on past work rather than the work that's currently here, which is not that great if you think about it because like a career best work exactly like they did that with leonardo dicaprio like they done that before uh uh so maybe it could go to fincher but i feel like that wouldn't look great i feel like they have to go with chloe Zhao for this one it'll also make her the the second woman to ever win and the first woman of color first asian woman so i think that'll be great for the headlines and great for diversity you know and also uh since she has eternals currently coming out this fall it'll make her the first uh first director to come into a marvel movie with an oscar yeah that would be 
incredible actually i, I was I, I haven't i hadn't thought of that i was gonna say like no other marvel movie director has won an oscar and then i remembered that after taika waititi made thor ragnarok he won for jojo rabbit yes he won but he did win for screenplay this would be a very yeah. first because it's a director award so like stay tuned for uh thor love and thunder i guess when taika comes back oh i am so excited about that but let's not talk about that right now because you know i could go forward for hours so for best actor, do you think Chadwick Boseman is gonna win as most predict him to? Yeah, I think he's gonna win. Like, um, like it happened with actors before, like mm-hmm. Heath Ledger. Yeah, with Heath Ledger, for instance. Like it's it's a it's not great that um, that forever there will be a cast. Like a sh- they would cast a shadow on whether or not these people deserved it. I agree. I think there's there's a bit of discussion around that, but I think both in the case of Heath Ledger as the Joker and in this case of Chadwick Boseman, having seen that movie Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, I think he deserves a win. He's incredible in that movie. I did not like that movie that much, to be honest. Uh, but his performance was breathtaking. Like he made me feel so many things during that movie. Totally. He was excellent so don't cast a shadow on this one because i have a feeling he's gonna win and he deserves it i totally agree now for best actress it's weird because normally there are front runners there are people that most people can get behind and predict they'll win in the big acting categories for best actress this year nobody knows okay because the thing is, there are like different big awards, and nobody has won more than one of those other big awards so far. So it could go either way. Yeah, we usually have more of a more information because, like, usually more of a the groundwork. Award, exactly the 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 awards before the Oscars point us to a direction, but in this category, they don't point us towards anything. So, so I, w- I want to look first at my personal pick, who I would love to win Best Actress, and who I think could win is Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. She won the Critics' Choice Award and she was nominated in all the others. And I think this is just a, a wonderful performance from an already brilliant actor who... Um, it's also a really great movie. Do check out Promising Young Woman. I think she has a chance and she still has a lot of traction behind her performance to get this award. I agree with you, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say someone who might get into this is Andra Day. From uh, the United States versus uh, versus Billy, I forgot. Billy Holiday. Billy Holiday. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, it's Andra Day. She won the Golden Globes, if I'm not mistaken. She did. And um, I believe she could sneak up here because uh, apparently she she holds that movie. Like that's totally true, and it's very possible. I've seen that movie. I didn't think it was that good, but I thought she deserved her nomination. Uh, she's won the Golden Globe. She didn't win anything else, but uh, that could mean that she could sneak up. Okay, because I'm going to go down here a little bit on the list. Frances McDormand is not winning again. She I mean, won she twice. That's true. And also, three years ago only was her last win for three billboards. Yeah. And, and she, I love that performance, by the way. She totally, she totally deserved, deserved it. it. Yeah. I think she was great. I think she deserved the nomination. But I, as well, don't see her winning a third time. And special shout out to Viola Davis. She's an amazing actress. I think she, I, honestly... I think she's taking it home. You don't think? I don't think so. Like I think the only the only thing my Rainy's Black Bottom is getting is Chadwick's award. I think I don't think she like I feel like her win for fences was deserved. I don't know about That's this true. one. Well I don't think we should 
completely say no about Viola Davis because she won the SAG Award, which is a guild of actors, and she the actor did. branch That's is right. what votes for the Academy. I'm not saying they always correspond 100%, but I'm saying there's still a shot, and she does have a lot of backing behind her performance, even though there are some who would argue that that like Chadwick owns that movie more than her, and she actually has less screen time in the movie than he does. That's what I see, because like, she she was really good, but like, Chad Chadwick just outshone everyone in that movie. That's so. true. So supporting actor, we can both agree that Daniel Kaluuya has this one in the bag, right? Yeah, just looking here, like at the at the nominees, I feel like he he has the best. And he's won everything else so far. I don't see him losing, and I would be so happy if he won. Also, um. The reason also he might win is because even though he's listed as a supporting actor, some would say in that movie he's the main actor. Yeah. So that might tip the scales on his favor. But I would love, love, love to see Sasha Baron Cohen take it home for the trial of the Chicago 7. Again, not taking anything away from the other performances here. But like, just like the range of this guy, like... I don't want to see him win for Borat, ever. I want to see him <laughs> win for stuff like this. He was actually nominated for both this year. He was nominated for writing Borat, and then in this category for Chicago 7. He's amazing. Like We've talked about him already. Work. True. Uh, supporting actress is also not 100% a clear one, but um, my pick personally, who both I think should and will win, is Yoon Jung in the film Minari, who plays the grandmother in that movie. She won both the SAG and the BAFTA. And it looks like she's going to win this one. looks like some might also say that um, Maria Bakalova, who plays Borat's daughter, could win. But I would not want that to happen. I don't think she was Oscar worthy. I agree with you. If that happens, like, I, I, it, the, the award lost some of its... Some of its grandeur, if that happens. We this. would go from, like, Viola Davis... Allison Jenny, Regina King, Laura Dern to that. Like, I wouldn't... No, yeah. Yep. Look, like, nothing about respect. It was a great performance, but I wouldn't have nominated it for awards. Exactly. I will I will disagree with you, actually, here. I feel like Amanda Seyfried is going is, is to take this one. I was thinking she could surprise, but I don't see it happening at the moment. Because, like, Hollywood loves rewarding ingenues. Like, they did it with Emma Stone. They did it with Jennifer Lawrence. They love rewarding ingenues, which is like the younger actresses. Like, And even though Amanda Seyfried has been in the game for a while, like this is her first shot at like winning something like this. And she does de- deliver a great performance in Mank. Okay, interesting. Any other categories you wanted to discuss? Uh, what do you think about animation? Animation, I think Soul has it 100%. I agree. I don't see anything else winning. Only other one I saw was Onward, which was also really good. But come on, like, Soul was by far the the main animated film people were talking about in 2020. Yeah, I agree with you. And uh, a lot of people said, I've heard someone say this, like, this week. Like, uh, one of the comment, like, a commentator of movies in general. That, like, a lot of what Pixar did built up to so you know like the grandeur of the film like the way it looks like the wow way, i never thought of that the way it feels and like it's this the first like big pixar movie that has like an african-american like front and center which is also pretty amazing 
sucks that we had to wait until 2020 for that but true i was thinking when i when i heard that it was like the first black lead i was like wait that took a while yeah well welcome to to hollywood well hopefully soul wins and apparently like if my predictions go i think soul will also win original score for music i agree with you actually yeah i was mad that tenet wasn't even nominated for that yeah but tenet I feel like Tenet's going to take away visual effects. That's for sure. Nothing else was really Nothing that visually came big. Out in 2020 that had visual effects except Tenet and Mulan. That's it. Yeah, I think when it comes to visuals, anyone would pick Tenet over Mulan. Yeah, for sure. Some One that might sneak up might be the one and only Ivan just because of the animals. But I'm I haven't seen it. It doesn't. I saw the trailer and it just didn't look good, but apparently the critics liked it. Yeah. That's some great awards talk for today. And now, moving on to our final segment. If you remember, on our radar, we're going to talk about a movie this time that we're both excited to see. And it's perfect timing because the trailer just came out and it's on both our lists. And that's Marvel Studios' Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. You can't outrun. We actually watched the trailer together in yeah, class. We, we kind of saw each other's reactions. Yeah, like that was fun. I feel like we should do that. That like with all the trailers we're gonna talk about. The uh, action looks sick. I have to say, like the martial arts, the choreography, the scenery, all looks really cool. We only got a brief glimpse of it in that trailer, but I'm excited. I'm not that much of a fan of uh, Shang Chi's costume right now, uh, especially in the poster that came out that same day, I believe. But who knows? Maybe like in action, it would it would work because we haven't seen it in the tra- in the trailer yet. But the trailer itself, I really loved. Another thing I know we're both excited about is Aquafina. Oh, for sure! I'm so glad she's finally like in a universe. You know, like in the MCU. Yeah, yeah. Um, Aquafina has really impressed me when she was in the movie The Farewell. Have you seen that? She's she's really talented, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, she was in Jumanji, The Next Level. She's so funny in Jumanji, The Next Level. Yeah. And she was just the dragon in Raya and the Last Dragon. I thought she was a perfect choice in that movie. Have you seen it yet? I haven't seen it yet. Like, it, I really want to see that movie. I think it's really good. And yeah, I think the fact that she's going to be a big role here just makes me even more excited. Yeah, of this. course. Of course. I really hope. I don't, I don't know if this is out yet, like who specifically she's playing. I'm not very like into Shang-Chi comics. I, I don't know a lot about the lore, but I really hope she sticks around. Like she, maybe she turns into a superhero. That would be amazing. Yeah, we could see like Aquafina and I don't know, Doctor Strange fighting together. Yes, yes. <laughs> Kevin Feige, are you listening to us? Probably please. not. But please. And it does come out one day after my birthday. And that's right. I want that as a as a birthday present. Please, Hollywood, let it happen. Oh my god, you know what they're doing? Uh, It was supposed to come out on my birthday, actually, July 9th. And that's the date they're now putting Black Widow at the the simultaneous theater Disney+. Plus. That's now coming out on my birthday. And Shang-Chi is coming out right after yours. So, hey, what we're saying is Kevin Feige is giving us both pre- birthday presents this year. And we could not be happier. 
hopefully our Oscar predictions uh, come true, right? And they will. They will. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully theaters um, come back soon. Hopefully, uh, Israel and their theater chains decide to give us that experience back. And hopefully, Shang Chi comes out on time. But that wraps up our time for today. Uh, Alan, thank you for being on again. And I'm so excited that we're hosting together. I am so excited. I had so much fun today. I'm sure this is going to be like a fantastic show for us to do together. Thank you for having me again. We'll be back for another episode when we'll hopefully go over the Oscar winners and some more movies that we love and are excited for. So thank you again for listening and hope you all have a wonderful week.